What is up, everyone? Welcome back to the We Run on Coffee podcast with Marissa and Erica. Today, we have a brand new type of episode for you guys. We are doing a book club, and we're so excited. I'm so excited about this. How are you this week, Marissa? I'm pretty good. I was a little bit tired all week. I wasn't able to like get to bed at my normal time with my new schedule, so I was a little bit sleepy Ooh. all week, but yeah. it's okay. Yeah, I kind of feel the same way. For the past two weeks, I've worked on the couch because I work from home. I've worked on the couch every single day (laughs) and been so tired every single day. I don't know if it's like the weather's changing so much because it's about to be spring. And it's just like, I don't know. It's taken a toll on me. It's so weird. I've just been so sleepy. I just want to lay in bed all day. Mood. (laughs) Literally mood. Well, tell me what you've been up to this week. I'm really excited to hear about the Cherry Blossom Festival. Yeah. And all the things you told us about last week. It was so fun. So we ended up metroing into the city last weekend and we just kind of walked around. We ended up over by like the White House and we thought that it was going to be like barricaded off because anytime that like me and my friends that moved here like last summer have been up there, it's been like barricaded off and you can't really get up to the fence like you normally can. But it was open this weekend. Like we could walk right up to the fence area and it was really cool and I actually saw something on um TikTok I think that they were having like garden tours of the White House like you could oh that'd be so you could sign up and you could go behind the gate and do like garden tours on the lawn of the White House and I was like I kind of want to do that that sounds so fun but it was beautiful we just like We went to this place for brunch and it was so yummy and our server was so funny. He kept telling us like these dad jokes and it was hilarious. And then your outfit was fire. Thank the you. Were, like, amazing. Thank I was you. We, oh, I should tell you, I was showing everyone the pictures you sent me at. I was at dinner with Angelo and his mom and his siblings, you know. Uh-huh. And so I was like, guys, Marissa just sent me pictures and they were looking at him. She's like, she looks stunning. Oh, my <laughs> God. She looks so amazing. It was so cute. That's so funny because I, I mean, as we know, I'm not a very pink girly like that jacket yeah. I was wearing in those photos is literally the only pink thing. Oh, that I own and I told everybody like the day before I was like all right pink theme we're wearing something springy and they were like what (laughs) I was like we're going to the cherry blossoms like we have to wear pink and so we all like took pictures around like the cherry blossoms we went to brunch and then we went to like this little hole in the wall bar and the bartender was so funny he was so nice and he was like if you bring me up all of your glasses I'm gonna buy your drink and I was like okay so I brought up like all the glasses and he bought like me a drink and then somebody else did it for like the next round and we just kept buying each other like rounds of drinks because it was easier but it was really fun and I had a lot of a lot of fun just like being there and like walking around the city that's so cute yeah all of your guys's pictures were so adorable some of your friends I had followed like a little while back but then after the cherry blossom festival some of your friends followed me on Instagram so now I feel like I've I've seen you all and yeah all of your group pictures and they were just so perfect I loved that you guys did a pink theme actually Aww. like it looked so good thank you it was Love. so much fun it looked fun well after that exciting weekend I mean I went back to work this week but I did do a couple of fun things this week so on Monday I think that this is fun I went to Costco for the first time and it was an experience oh it was yeah. so cool my friend Mara she has a membership through her family 
And she was like, we're going to Costco after work. And I was like, can I come? (laughs) So we went to Costco. I got some snacks and stuff. And it was just, like, cool just, like, to walk around there. And I told Kyle we have to get a membership when he moves in. So fun. I were a big Sam's Club fam Mm because Sam's Club's right by my house. We don't really have Costco close. But those stores are the best. Yeah. I don't know why, like – this is so random, but I was just telling Angela yesterday we need to go back and buy. We buy the Lysol wipes from mm-hmm. Sam's Club. They come with like six of those big bottles in one pack, and it just gives me life. I'm like, they last for like a whole year. Yeah, I just love that. And like getting like your dry like not like your dry goods like your plastic bags and like your yeah. I don't know like paper plates and stuff. Like it's just so like yeah. easy and efficient and cheap. And they also have I don't know if they have them at Costco, but at Sam's Club we found these really good granola bars Ooh. that are like fairly healthy like not a lot of those weird chemicals in them mm-hmm. and a lot of like fruits and vegetables and stuff and they were actually so delicious really the best ones i've ever had and they had a big huge box it was like 10 bucks for this massive box that lasted us like a month or two hmm. i was like this is the best but yeah those stores are great also they have good clothes yeah like, they do yeah some of my best clothes are from sam's club yeah just like getting like some leggings or like some jackets yes, like it's worth it yes i have this one sweatshirt and it is my favorite ever Ugh. It got it for $4 or something like that. That's yeah. crazy. <laughs> I love it. But well, that's really fun. I'm so glad you got to experience Costco. Yeah, I loved it. I am definitely getting a membership, and I will be back. <laughs> um, what else did I do this week? On Wednesday, I went and I played volleyball with some friends after work, like not in my actual league, but mm-hmm. I just like played volleyball with some friends after work at that's like fun. these sand vo- volleyball courts we found, and that was really fun. And then what did we do – on Thursday, me and Erica talked. We did some behind-the-scenes pod things yes. that we're super excited about. Some secret plotting. I know. <laughs> and then on Friday, my air conditioning finally got fixed temporarily. <gasps> temporarily. So basically, I'm going to say a whole bunch of things that I don't even understand really quickly, but whatever. So my relay switch is bad. I don't know what that means, but anybody out there that knows anything about mechanics or anything about apartments, um, my relay switch is bad. So that basically means that my my hot water that makes the heater work is going to the air conditioning. And so it starts out cold for like 30 seconds and then the water hits the pipe and it gets like hotter. And they were like, okay, this is weird. So they turned off the hot water tank like where it goes into the heating and cooling system and Mm -hmm. since they turned that switch off my heat doesn't work which is fine because it's hot out (laughs) and so now my air conditioning finally works okay that is so weird yeah but they're ordering the part and it'll eventually be fixed fully Fully. hopefully that'll be nice yes it's so weird that you say that's fine because it's hot here it's so cold here. It was. It has not been hot here. Before. It was 77 here yesterday. Oh, God, you're living my dreams. It was like 40 here yesterday. That's wild. Holy crap. I can't believe it differs that much. I would never. It's going to be 83 times this week here. <laughs> I could cry. I can't wait to visit. <laughs> It'll be so fun. It'll be That's fine. That's so nice. And then oh, what else? Yeah. Oh, yesterday I did overtime and then I got my nails done. They're a light <gasps> blue now. Yes. Wait, hold on, hold on. I got to make your little um, screen beggar because we're on Zoom. Oh, my gosh. That's a cute color. Yes. Kyle told me he wanted me to get baby blue and he sent me a picture. So I was cute. like, I don't want to think about picking a color. Just, like, send me a color. Yeah. So he sent me, like, baby blue. And I was like, will you find, like, a picture on Google? Because, like, I just want to be able to, like, so color cute. match it. And he was like, yeah, sure. So he sent me a picture. I was like, yay, I got new nails. 
That's so funny. Angela's favorite color for me to do on my nails is my least favorite color ever. What is red. it? Oh. But I did it for Valentine's Day as a surprise because I was like, Valentine's Day red. Like, it makes sense. Yeah. Not red. And he was like, oh, my gosh, those are the best nails ever. Like, they're just plain red. I was like, why are you so obsessed? It was so funny. That's so silly. But, um, yeah, that's so cute. I have still my pink ones, but we're kind of matching with the pastel tones. Yeah, so I, like that. I love it. Very spring. Yeah, of course. What did the you do this had week? An eventful week. Yes. I did not. Like oh no. I said, I've been working on the couch every day, but I do have a couple updates. So I have an update for both of us that I want to share with the class. Mm. Everybody, we got our first ad. Ah! That's something that happened this week that I was really excited to share. So thank you for listening. Cause if you weren't listening, we wouldn't have gotten one. No. So that's very <laughs> exciting. Yes. Second thing is that I started How to Get Away with Murder. Yay. And I'm on season two. <laughs> I watched it really fast. Do you love it? I'm okay. So I'm medium on it. I was telling Angela, I was like, I feel bad telling Marissa my true thoughts because she recommended no, it. No, tell me. No, I mostly like it. I think the storyline's pretty good. And I'm like actually pretty surprised at most things that happen. I'm yeah. Like, they don't, I'm just not super predictable, but I don't think I love a drama show. Okay. Like, just the way it's filmed or like the setting the just that you know like for instance the Grey's Anatomies it's almost like an elevated soap opera vibe yeah so like that I love it show, <laughs> that's like I think I don't like it I've I don't know I made it through season one pretty fast and I was like this is pretty good and then I got to season two and I'm like I just don't know if I like how it's filmed but I do like the story so I might still I might still finish it yeah I want to know what happens yeah of course so <laughs> I, I've been liking it though okay not too harsh okay. not too harsh of a criticism <laughs> I promise <laughs> and then my third update is something that we talked about in last week's episode in my Erica hour, but I am getting a patio estimate today Yay. to see how much it'll cost to get a patio. So Yay. that's happening tonight. I wish it was earlier so I could have give you guys a better update. That's but okay. Hopefully next week Yay. I'll be able to I'm tell so you how excited. much it's gonna cost. <laughs> it's gonna be expensive. That's okay. I'm excited. Yeah. Yay. Yeah, so that's pretty much all of my week's updates. I'm really excited for today's episode. But before we dive in, what are you drinking? I got this lavender syrup for my coffee. And we know I'm a lavender latte lover. Of so I got this new cup and I already showed Erica, but it is a cherry it's blossom so themed Starbucks cup. And it says like Washington, D.C. and like silver foil writing and it's just so cute it's like all pink and of course still not a pink girl but I love the cherry <laughs> blossoms I think it's so cute yeah so I have my iced lavender latte it's oat milk the lavender syrup and then oh my, my double espresso vibe. dolce I love that it's lavender in a flower cup of it's course. just giving all the spring vibes right now I had to <laughs> yeah I love that for you I am. Um, I'm excited because we're recording so early today, guys, or earlier than normal. So I'm still my first cup of coffee. I didn't have to make a new one for this, which is exciting. But I made a well, I have my cute love mug that my cousins Sydney and Madeline gave me. Shout out, girls. But um, yeah, it's a brown sugar with uh, what do I use? The double espresso Chiaro mm-hmm. pod from Nespresso. So mix that with brown sugar while it was hot. And then I added ice, a little bit of oat milk and the silk oat creamer in the um, oatmeal cookie flavor. Ooh. I love that creamer. Yeah. It's so good. So that's what I'm drinking this morning. Yummy. And then of course, I don't know about you, but the water. Yep. I got my water right here. Oh, I got my water, water to the right and my coffee to the left. <laughs> I love that for you. So, okay. Now that we're all caught up, yes. let's dive in. Yay. I am so excited for this because Marissa and I are both big reading gals. Yeah, And we have this, this love for reading that we share. So we thought it'd be really fun to do book club episodes. Thanks to Marissa for this idea, of mm-hmm. course. And um, we're doing our first one on the book, I'm Glad My Mom Died by Jeanette McCurdy. And before we dive into 
all of the content for today. I want to give a disclaimer slash content warning. We're going to talk about a lot of serious stuff like eating disorders, sexual abuse, mental abuse, death, etc. So if you are not cool with listening to that or that does not sit well with you, feel free to click off. We will not be offended. Nope, not That's, at all. <laughs> these are totally triggering for a lot of people. So feel empowered to skip this episode. We understand. Yes. All good there. Second disclaimer, I want to shout out our sources because none of the questions I pulled today are original content. I did not create any of them because I just, you know, my brain wasn't really doing that. Mm -mm. It was like not coming up with nothing. So I want to shout out our sources very quickly. I used Mimi Blog, Libra Maniacs, Book Clubs, Super Summary, and SB Howell. Oh, and Badass Women's Book Club, which I really want to look that up more because it seems like a really cool website. (laughs) Yeah. But those are the sources I used for the questions. And finally, the last thing before we really dive into our thoughts is that I thought it would be nice to read a summary of the book to you all listeners in case you haven't listened to this or read this, sorry, book. Also, side note, apparently Jeanette McCurdy did the audio for the audiobook version, which I did not know. I kind of wish I knew that because on one of the websites it said, did you listen to this book in audio format? And if so, what did you think about Jeanette McCurdy's like inflection or like oh not wow. performance but you know like the way that she read it and I was like dang it I almost wish I never am into audiobooks but I almost wish I listened to that yeah because I feel like you could really hear her story if she was speaking it to you yeah and like especially like all of her like emotion and stuff behind it because like some yeah. of the parts in the book are really deep and heavy. really heavy so I feel like mm-hmm. you could hear like almost her like breaking that character of the audiobook reader oh, and like 100%. starting to like crack underneath the pressure of like coming over like going over it all again I definitely cried reading this book at some points and I think if I read the audiobook it would have been way worse <laughs> oh yeah like a wreck but it was still a good book nonetheless and like I said readers readers lol <laughs> like I said listeners if you have not read the book I'm going to give you a quick summary so I timed myself reading this it's only about three minutes I promise it'll be quick so Jeanette McCurdy lives in Garden Grove with her parents, maternal grandparents, and her three older brothers. She has an extremely close relationship with her mother, who was diagnosed with cancer years ago, but is in remission. At the age of six years old, Jeanette began her acting career at the behest of her mother, whose dream was to be an actress. Jeanette is disinterested in acting, but feels that her purpose in life is to make sure that her mother is happy and calm. For several years, Jeanette acts in small roles in commercials and television shows. After struggling with anxiety over auditions, she develops a voice in her head that she attributes to the Holy Spirit. This voice instructs her to perform certain rituals that calm her down. When Jeanette's grandfather suggests that Jeanette might have OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder, her mother is dismissive. After noticing that her body is changing, Jeanette fears that she is growing up and will no longer be cast in children's roles. She worries that she'll disappoint her mother, so she asks her mother how she can stop her body from changing, and her mother teaches her about calorie restriction. Jeanette lands a leading role on the Nickelodeon show iCarly. She plays Sam Puckett, the blunt best friend of Carly Shay. Side note, did not know Carly had a last name. (laughs) (laughs) She and her co-star develop a strong friendship that, despite their different... So so sorry. She and her co-star developed a strong friendship despite their different socioeconomic backgrounds. Tongue twister. The show's creator, Dan Schneider, is known for being emotionally manipulative and aggressive. iCarly finds success, and Jeanette pursues a country music career at the behest of her mother. 
Jeanette's mother's cancer returns as she is about to promote her album. She goes on tour alone, and while away from her mother for the first time, she begins eating in excess. She also has her first real kiss. When she returns, she's gained weight and her mother has become frail. She vows to her mother that she will diet. She gets on her she gets her own apartment closer to set, but her mother reacts to the attempt at distance by sleeping at Jeanette's apartment almost every night. Jeanette begins dating a much older co-worker, but keeps it a secret from her mother, who she knows would not approve. Her mother senses that Jeanette is hiding something from her, and that they are growing apart, and she responds with violence and name-calling. When she discovers the relationship, Jeanette's mother sends her a barrage of abusive emails that attack Jeanette's character and declare her worthless, and when Jeanette returns to her mother, they pretend it never happened. Jeanette's mother continues to grow weaker, and Jeanette begins binge eating and drinking. And on the day her mother finally dies, Jeanette is numb with alcohol. Jeanette develops bulimia. While on set for a new TV show in Canada, she falls in love with an assistant director named Stephen. After discovering her eating disorder, he delivers an ultimatum that forces Jeanette to meet a therapist. However, when her therapist expresses concern about Jeanette's relationship with her mother, she fires her. Stephen becomes a born-again Christian and expresses a desire to be celibate. Jeanette grows further dissatisfied in her career. She meets up with her father, who confesses to her that he is not her biological father. Shocked, Jeanette tries to talk to Stephen, only to find that he has begun suffering from the delusion that he is Jesus Christ. Jeanette realizes that her life is falling apart and seeks new treatment for her eating disorder. And finally... Stephen begins psychiatric medication and seems to be doing much better, but refuses to address his chronic drug use. As Jeanette succeeds in recovery, she finds herself growing further apart from him. Ultimately, she chooses to break things off. As she continues to improve and develop healthier habits, she meets her biological father and steps away from acting. So that's the summary I have from us. That was verbatim from Super Summary. I did not write that. And I will also say that that's definitely not the whole book. I feel like that gives us a good picture. But oh my God, like even just reading it now, I can't believe so much went on. In this All book. of that happened. All of that and more. Yeah. And I just can't imagine. It's almost like you learn of different things throughout your life. It's like you learn about OCD and people who suffer with that and how hard that is. Or you learn about depression and how hard that is. And you learn about addiction and how hard that is. And then you put it all in one girl. No, literally. A teenager. Yeah. I'm like, I do not seriously know how she lived with that because one of those things is hard to live with. Mm -hmm. It's actually insane. And I just, I don't know. Even reading the summary, Marissa and I read this book a while back, so we both had to re-summarize this <laughs> yeah. one too to catch back up. And I forgot about all most of it. it. Yeah, yeah. Like I remember a few key parts, but I forgot about almost everything. It's kind of scary. Yeah, it really is scary because, like, you think about like I mean, the title itself is shocking. Like, I'm glad my mom yeah. died. And then yeah. you read it, and you're like, okay, I know that this is a memoir going into it. And then you start reading, and it's like, it's from that first person perspective at some points but it's also like Jeanette's taking a step out of her life and like talking about it as if she was like an outsider and it's like it's cool to see that but even though she's talking about some of the parts as an outsider you have to remember like she did live through all of that and those are things that affected her to be who she is now yeah it's literally I don't know it's insane so we're gonna dive in with some questions I'm gonna guide us through some questions I found on all those websites I mentioned but first I want to talk about like our background with Jeanette McCurdy in general so I want to talk about what do we know her from and were we a fan of hers I want to take it away yeah I basically only knew her from iCarly and 
same i mean like i didn't really know that she was like really in anything else and like reading the book like i noticed like she had a bunch of smaller roles and stuff and like yeah. she was in like stuff later in her life as well but i really only ever watched iCarly and saw her in that and i mean i guess i would say i was a fan of hers i didn't watch the show religiously but it was more of like oh i know that face i know who that is yeah for sure. I feel like most of us have definitely seen her face. And of course, iCarly was her breakout role. So that makes sense. I only know her from that as well. Um, and then I'm going to say the next question before I answer. Did she play a part in our childhood? So depending on your age, you might have grown up idealizing Jeanette McCurdy or you may have never heard of her. How did this affect your reading of the book? So I will say I know her from iCarly too. I was actually this is crazy, maybe unpopular opinion, but I was like an anti-fan. Really? I really did not like her character on iCarly. I didn't relate to her. I felt like, I don't know, as a kid, I never related to like, I don't know, her character was very obnoxious. Like they made it to be that she was very obnoxious, very crazy, very obsessed with food, which was a big part in the book is mm -hmm. that her character was so obsessed with food, etc. But I found her character to be so obnoxious that I like didn't like the character hmm. which was honestly an unpopular opinion I think of people my age because most people I know that was their favorite character like they yeah. loved Sam she was so relatable so funny so realistic but I was kind of an anti-fan and then to answer how did this affect your reading of the book I think I mean the book just turned me into a fan I feel like I totally like respect and love her and I feel like she's so cool and she's done so much that I think she's really inspiring so it was cool to see the girl behind the act you know like the character yeah because her character isn't who she is at all. Yeah, I think that I kind of agree. Like I said, like, I don't know. I feel like I didn't really watch iCarly. Like, it wasn't like the show that I would, like, turn on. But I also, same, same. I didn't have cable when I was younger. So I can't, rem same. I can't remember, same. like, when I had it, like, versus when the show was on and, like, what I actually right. watched. We probably both watched, like, the reruns. Yeah. Like, after it was out. Probably. But I, like, I feel like I... I mean, like, I was, like, not not a fan, but also I wasn't, like, a super fan, you know? So I'm right there with you. I That's feel like I had a really neutral, like, headspace going into the book because I was like, well, I know that she was on iCarly and that's, like, it. And I, yeah. like, the only things that I knew about her, like, as a human was that she was on iCarly and then she didn't come back for the reunion. And that was yes. all that I knew. Yes. That's right. That Yeah, that makes sense. I'm totally with you there. And this is a tangent because what is our podcast without <laughs> one? Um, we also didn't have cable when I was growing up like ever. But I remember at one point we had like the antenna. Uh -huh. I don't know if you ever had. <coughs> Excuse me. I just choked. I was getting too excited. Okay. <laughs> so if you ever had the antenna, you could get like yeah. a couple channels, right? So we had the antenna and I remember <laughs> the first time I told Angela's family this, they thought it was crazy, but I used to come downstairs and turn on the TV and like see what I could watch with the antenna. Yeah. And I literally my mom would come down and I'd be watching poker. <laughs> like because there was nothing on TV, like a little kid watching poker because that's all that was on TV. It yeah. was so funny. We had like, just like whatever the box was, like whatever channels yeah. you could get with the box. And then my grandma moved in when well maybe when I was like 14 we got like Netflix yeah. like when Netflix started getting bigger right. like we got that and so I was able to like watch some shows like throughout hi like high school and stuff yeah. and then when I was 16 my grandma moved in with us and she was like I'm not moving in unless you get cable because I oh cannot gosh, live here if so I don't funny. have my shows <laughs> like you know those like 70 to 80 year old Adults women that are like shows. she's yes. like I gotta have my programs and I'm like okay grandma yes. the program <laughs> yes hand me the clicker I'm watching my program no literally that was my Hello. grandma and so like my dad was like 
I don't know, like, I guess it's something that we can, like, choose to pay for now, which my grandma moving in was, like, wild because we got cable and we yeah. got air conditioning because she said yeah, that she grandma. wasn't living in a house that didn't have Go air conditioning. <laughs> grandma has standards. She did. <laughs> that is honestly... You know, that's empowering in itself. Yeah. Go, Grandma. Yeah, go, Grandma. (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. Okay, so aside from my tangent, (laughs) on to the next question. I want to ask, and I have an answer ready, so if you don't, I can go. Okay. There were many red flags of abuse throughout the book. Which one stood out to you the most? I feel like the one that was the most shocking to me. Like, I I saw all the red flags. Like, like they kept popping up. I feel like the book was a red flag. Yeah, even from, like, that first (laughs) page, like, when she was talking about, like, everything. But I think the thing that stood out to me the most was, like, when they were talking about the showering and how – her mom would like inspect her body up until the age of like 16 and I understand her mom being worried because she was like a breast cancer survivor that turned into more cancer later but at the same time that's a a a child that's growing up and like I don't know Mm -hmm. like you just like you get like not conscious of your body but you're like this is mine I don't want to show anybody else and and a young girl she was the only girl in her family so it's probably like she didn't have anyone to relate to either like a sister yeah and so she had to just like kind of take it in stride but at the same time like it it was like that was like the weirdest thing to me that I thought was the biggest red flag because I was like well that's pretty abusive because you're literally I mean, almost to a point sexually abusing your child because you're looking at them naked in the shower and inspecting every part of their body. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. It's making me feel like, yeah, the whole book kind of made me feel like that in a way, which is honestly why in my opinion, I think this book is so good because Mm -hmm. it makes you think about things that you would never, I don't know, think about, but, um, I kind of forgot about that. (laughs) And that was like a main, that was a main, uh, main, whatever storyline was the showering thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was really weird yeah what was your one word what was your big red flag that you saw so mine and I don't know why but this one just really stuck with me and I don't think it was a super big plot but I don't know it was the fact that her her meaning Jeanette and her brothers would sleep in the living room on a gymnastics mat yeah Costco yeah that like just put a pit in my stomach and the whole time I read the rest of the book I thought about that and even after like that's the one thing I remembered is that her and her brothers literally slept on like one of those gymnast mats from Costco in the living room of if I remember correctly their house was almost like a hoarder house yeah and that's why they slept on the mats because her mom had used their bedrooms and their beds to store her things uh it just breaks my heart I don't know something about that I think like in life one of the most vulnerable like places you can be in is in sleep yeah and I think it's so important to be comfortable and also feel safe when you're asleep and the fact that they had to sleep there and I remember one chapter they were talking about how they were sleeping on the living room floor on their mat and everyone was like up getting ready for church and the hustle and bustle and like waking them up Mm -hmm. and I don't know it just I hate it yeah I literally hate it and also like a place that you go to to be alone is your own bedroom and like you can close the door and you can lay in bed and you can be vulnerable by yourself yeah and her not having that and like her brother's not having that either and having to have those vulnerable moments out in the open and maybe feeling like stifled in their emotions because they couldn't have a place to retreat if they felt overwhelmed they didn't have not they but she didn't have a safe place until she literally had her own apartment yeah 
I can't imagine that feeling. Like, that's crazy. Yeah. And then the, even, the feeling of never slamming the door of your bedroom, yes. like when you're mad. <laughs> and then, like, even when she did get her own apartment, which we'll get into, like, she didn't really get that place to herself yeah. either. Yeah. So she, exactly. like, honestly, up until her mom died, she didn't have a moment of, like, like solitude. <laughs> yeah. No, that's a really good point because I don't remember if it's something I wrote in the questions or not, but we could talk about it now, is that when she got her apartment, her mom visited i'm doing air quotes but never left yeah like, she came she's like let's do a movie night let's spend the night i really miss you and jeanette felt bad so she was like yeah i guess like you can come spend the night whatever and she just kept spending the night over and over and over and she kind of guilt tripped her because she was sick you know she was hurting whatever and inevitably she moved in with a jeanette at her new apartment yeah and i feel like that's even another red flag of abuse in yeah. the book as well because like she finally gets enough money to move out and be on her own and live in her own place and become that yeah. independent woman that she's been striving to be. And her, literally the day she moves in, her mom moves in with her. Just follows her. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's so sad. So um, moving along, my next question is, is child acting unethical? And hypothetically, if you had a child or something like that, something similar, would you let them become a child actress or actor? I think that it can be unethical, but I also think that it can't be on this uh, like at the same yeah. time. Like I feel like if the child is coming to you and requesting to do this kind of thing and they say, "Mom, dad, I really think that this would be fun. I would enjoy doing this." Then of course, like if you're in the means to support that for your kid, right. go ahead. But also on the same side of that, you have to make sure that the the roles that they're getting cast in and the things that they are doing are also ethical because a lot of times right. directors and stuff, I've heard many horror stories of them exploiting the child and yeah, abusing totally. them as well. Like in this book, like a lot of her directors or the producers used her and uh, like exploited her and uh, like abused her as well. So I think that it's a really fine line and I think you're it probably is. better, safer than sorry, like not doing it. But at mm -hmm. the same time, if a kid shows that genuine interest and thinks like, hey, mom, I would really love to do this. I think that you can try and support them as best as you can and make sure that they are safe throughout the process. Yeah, for sure. I agree mostly. I think the question is child acting unethical. No, not explicitly. Yeah. Like it can be and it can't be just like you said, like the exact same thing you said, it could be unethical it could also be perfectly fine if you have boundaries or you're a strong person but when you start at the age that she did like six years old I think or even younger she started doing commercials and stuff that's I mean that is a like a toddler yeah like and when it's, you start as a toddler it's so different and it was against her will as well it wasn't her exactly. dream so I think that that's a really big topic of conversation now yeah especially with like people our age like a lot of people our age their parents pushed them to do things that they didn't so that we they could like right. live through like vicariously through their child and I think that a lot of people our age like especially people that I know that are like starting to have kids and stuff like giving their kid that independent lifestyle yeah. of getting to pick what they want and not forcing them into a sport, a career, a hobby, and just letting them become the human that they want to be. I think that that's sure. a really big topic of conversation now. I agree. And to answer the question, like, would you let your child become a child actor or actress? I would say, like, maybe the same thing you said. If, like, I had a kid and they came to me and they were like, this is my dream mom. Like, I have to be an actress. Like, I've always wanted to do this since I was a little kid. And I could see that and that made sense to me. I would 
totally want to be supportive, but I think for me and personally, I would find it to be like my job to make sure that they're protected. So I would almost have to give up my time and like something that I'm doing. For instance, if I were working or whatever, maybe I would have to like sacrifice something from my life to be able to put the time in and like go with them to auditions, be with them all the time, never leave them alone in a room with a, you know, someone I don't know, like that stuff would be priority for me. So would I let them? Yes. But like, I would have to give up a lot of myself to make sure they're protected. And I think that's important for people to realize too. Yeah. And like drawing that back to the book, you would, you would want to be there for your child, but maybe not in the as severe aspect as Jeanette's mom, like going into the audition with them, like allowing them that space to show their talent and letting them go into that audition room. But at the same time, like wanting to be with them like immediately after, like you have to draw that line of like the privacy that the directors and the producers are wanting to have with that child because that is their time to shine. And if they see their parents sitting yeah. in the corner, it's going to kind of hinder that. But 100%. if you, I I mean, I understand like wanting to be with them. And like, if I ever like had a child that wanted to do this, like I would also want to feel like I am protecting them and I'm putting my life yeah. out there to be supportive and protective and whatever. But at the same time, like you have to draw that line of like, I don't want to seem like the overbearing helicopter parent that Jeanette's mom right. was. <laughs> Yeah, 100%. Speaking of that, it reminded me of when Jeanette's mom would always go on set with her, not only, like you said, in auditions or in her trailer or whatever, monitoring everything, but also I remember this big theme around, which the whole book has a big theme around food, but I remember Jeanette's mom being super anal about what she ate on set Mm -hmm. and like I have actually this one page pulled up from Super Summary that I was reading because I thought this was really crazy. Um, When she was getting when Jeanette was getting gift baskets from like Kosar's oh, or whatever. Yeah. I remember her mom would like raid them and take out all the stuff that she quote couldn't eat. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes her mom would eat it. Yeah. Sometimes her mom would be like, You can't eat this, so I'll eat it. Yeah. Which so, I mean I that's know. another that big red flag of abuse in the whole book. Like yeah. I don't know if it's in one of these questions because I wanted to be surprised by these questions. No, it's good. It's good. I I know that one point in time, like when she started to notice the changes of her body and she was just going through puberty like every human does, and she started to yeah. notice like breast development and her stomach getting a little bit looser because yeah. she's getting bigger or whatever. She went to her mom and was like, How can I like not become a woman because I want to be a child forever? Right. And her mom was like, There's this wonderful thing thing called Weight Watchers and there's this wonderful thing called calorie yeah. restriction and her mom was definitely anorexic in the entire book mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. she talks about how she would eat like a piece of lettuce for dinner I know that's over exaggerating but it was basically what she was eating yeah. yeah and she would be like well you know what Jeanette like I can make a dinner for us both like what I would normally eat and we can split it between the two of us because that makes it better for both of us yeah she yeah that's makes me sad because it's like if your child comes to you and asks like how do I not become a woman you would think that the response would hopefully be becoming a woman is a great thing yeah this is is just how we grow up (laughs) yeah so it was really sad to see the mom like kind of manipulate her in a way and like play on the fact that she was like in a vulnerable position to where she could convince her to start losing weight. Yeah. That and makes sense. I feel so touchy using the word manipulate, but like she definitely was. She was definitely a big master manipulator in yeah. Jeanette's life. And something else that I remembered, like going over this and like the red flags and stuff, when she was younger and she was going to these auditions, she would pick the clothing for her child to wear to yeah. be a child actress 
literally a child, like auditioning for children's roles. You can't play a 15-year-old if you're six. Like, you can't right. do that. But she would put her in, like, these quote-unquote slutty outfits. Like, she would put her mm-hmm. in, like, a bikini top and, like, short shorts or, like, something that was, like, more promiscuous as, like, yeah. a child. Like, if you're 15 and you're going out for, like, a beach movie, like, yes, wear a bikini top. But, like... Yeah. At the same time, you're six years old. You're not going to get that yeah. kind of role. You're going to play the child. And her doing that. And then, like, one of the producers was like, well, her hair isn't blonde enough. So her mom gave her highlights at six years old. And her That's she was so like, crazy. she's blonde. She doesn't have enough eyelashes. So her mom would, like, paint her with makeup and mascara yeah. and all of these things. And she was sick. She just wanted to play in the dirt like we all did. Like, that yeah, was it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it really makes you think about how little of a childhood she had. Like a true childhood where you didn't... I mean, she's just been working since she can remember yeah. her life. So yeah. that's a lot to deal with. But um, my next question, I'm really excited to ask you this, is the title of the book, I'm Glad My Mom Died, Turn On or Turn Off? And why do you think she chose the title? I'm going to start with why I think she to- chose the title. So okay. I think she chose it because it was such a shock value. Like, you see okay. that and you're going to be like, bait. you're gonna literally going to be like, oh, wow. Like, why yeah. is she glad her mom died? And like, I feel like bits and pieces of her story have come out over the years, especially as she's kind of stepped away from her acting career and everything. For sure. But I think like, you see that on a shelf and it's a bright yellow book and she's wearing this bright pink blazer. Like, you see... Yes. The, holding the urn yes literally. you see like the whole thing and you're like oh wow like that seems so encapsulating and like you mm-hmm. want to learn why she put that and I think it was a turn on for myself and a turn on yeah. for most people because you're like well what the heck happened like what made you feel like you're happy that your mom died <laughs> like what right yeah I'm actually glad you said that and I thought that that would be an unpopular opinion but I feel the exact same way yeah it was a turn on it made me very intrigued yeah whether or not it gave me happy feelings is beyond the point because I was like very interested yeah that's exactly what it needs to do and it's kind of like one of those things it's like don't judge a book by its cover it was really easy to judge this book by its cover and be like yeah I need to read that because what does that mean but also at the same time I think that she had to have something with shock value because she's kind of been like pushed under a rug since she kind of quit her acting career and like with the iCarly remake coming out and like the revamp of like all of these old Disney and Nickelodeon shows like you see that she refused an offer and you're like well why like she was really popular Mm -hmm. and the show had helped her whole career blow up why wouldn't she want to come back and do that so after all that happened she puts out a book and you're like she she had to get the shock value because she needed people to know her story it's literally, in my opinion, it's literally like a clickbait on a YouTube video. You have to give someone something crazy enough to make them want to click on it or open it or whatever. Start. And honestly, am I, I like, I, here's the thing. I don't have a trouble reading these kind of books because I've not experienced these things in my life. Most of them. So for me, it's pretty easy for me to read this and not feel super upset. I definitely cried. I felt upset. I felt like totally, I felt for Jeanette. But if you struggle with some of these topics, I could see how if you read the first page, like maybe this was not for you. Like this could be so triggering. So I feel like it has a shock value. And I think personally, by reading just the first page, I was hooked. Like I read this book so fast and it was just, I don't know. I thought it was really good. Yeah. And I think kind of in that same vein, like you saying, like if you do have these like traumas in your life and like they do parallel of like mommy issues or whatever and like you have had like different kinds kinds of abuse in your life like 
it can be hard for you to read, but also at the same time, it is so nice to know that somebody has gone through those same things as you. And like, I mean, sometimes like, yes, you don't want to be triggered and you don't want to have like that immediate like shock response as a person. But in the same time, like, you need to know that there's other people in the world that have that with you. And if you're able to be strong enough, because not everybody needs to be strong enough, you're allowed to sit with your trauma and you're allowed to not want to look into avenues of, like, other people that have dealt with that. But if you do, like, you do feel empowered to read other people's stories, I think that this was a really great one to read because she... Yeah, I agree. She touches on the topics, and some of them she talks very surface level, but other ones she goes really in-depth and talks about, like, how, from, like, a third-party point of view, like, how it affected the child and how it affected the teenager and how it affected her now. And I think that that's helpful to, like, kind of show, like, how she overcame and how, with her experience with therapy and stuff and, like, not wanting to be vulnerable to a therapist, especially after they started bringing up her mom, this quote-unquote goddess in her life... I think that, like, seeing her transition, like, to hating therapy and firing that therapist and then finding a new or the same therapist, I can't remember, finding that therapist that worked and, like, being able to work through those problems and eventually have her heal is really empowering to people that have gone through traumas like this because then you'll want to kind of figure out how you can heal yourself, if not the same way she did, but other avenues in which you can figure it out. Yeah, and on the same vein, I... completely agree and I also see how this book can be so good for someone like me who has not experienced those things to learn about them and to learn what other people experience and not only that how to support people who are experiencing that like maybe if you have friends in your life or family members who are struggling with one of any of these things (laughs) yeah this might be a way that you can understand the way they feel and when you understand the way someone feels you can support them better just straight up yeah so I feel like it's I don't know I think it's a good for any reader um regardless of the fact that it can totally be hard to read yeah and because it's a true story I feel like it gives you so much real life experience like you were saying like sometimes you don't know how to approach somebody that's struggling with an eating disorder mental health addiction any of these many topics but it does give you that that vulnerability from somebody that's experiencing it firsthand and knowing how to approach them when they are, because it talks about her relationship with Carly in the show or Miranda, Miranda (laughs) talking about like Miranda and her relationship and how they like talked after the fact and how like Miranda wasn't going through any of these things and Mm -hmm. how she was able to like kind of help Jeanette after like she was literally with Jeanette when like she got the call that her mom was not doing Mm -hmm. well anymore and was going to pass away. Yeah, it, it gives you the perspective that you may not be able to get otherwise, I feel like. Yeah, absolutely. so vulnerable. I mean, not everyone in life who you experience goes through these things writes a book about it. Like, exactly. This is actually huge. Um, so now I have a quote that I want to read, and then there's a question based on the quote. So in the book, Jeanette says, I'm becoming an angry person with no tolerance for anyone. I'm aware of this shift and yet have no desire to change it. If anything, I want it. It's armor. It's easy to be angry than it's easier to be angry than to feel pain underneath it. Was her anger an avoidance mechanism or did it ultimately save her? I think that both can be true. I think that Two things can be true at once, baby. <laughs> I think that it definitely was an avoidance mechanism. Like yeah. she didn't want to have to deal with the pain, but I think mm-hmm. that it did empower her enough when she realized that she was avoiding to save her life. And like when she yeah. was angry that like I don't know that her mom was doing these things to her. It like gave her that that fire inside of her yes, to want to yeah. do better later. 
Yeah, I think it did both at the same exact time. Like it was her avoidance mechanism and because she was able to avoid it, it saved her. For a long time, it seems like she just survived. She just avoided the bad. She just avoided the things that her mom was trying to do. I mean, you can't avoid it all, right? Like we were talking about some of the things her mom was doing. It's inevitable and it's what happened, but she stayed, you know, I don't know what the word is, but she just stayed okay long enough until ultimately like her mom did pass away and that's when she gained her freedom and like really found her voice truly and got to become her own person so I feel like it was an avoidance mechanism that saved her yeah I think it was both and I feel like I've heard of like multiple different types of avoidance mechanisms like three that I can think of off the top of my head are like anger absence and anxious like Mm -hmm. you think of all of those things and I think that if she would have gone with like the absent avoidance mechanism or the anxious avoidance mechanism I think that that would have been such a detriment to her yeah Yeah. and I think that her choosing anger and like wanting to be angry at everything and everyone including her mom was so helpful to like help her see what was the overlying bad that she needed Mm to like overcome yeah I completely agree um so as a child Jeanette McCurdy adored her mother though and desperately always wanted to please her and then as an adult she finally realized all the ways in which her mother was abusive can you relate to wanting someone else to be happy so much that it become that it comes at the expense of your own happiness absolutely tough question (laughs) but I feel like we can all relate in some way big or small yeah I feel like I can definitely relate and like I remember when I was younger like I've always talked about how me and Kyle like we've been together forever like we've been together since I was I was 14 years old and like at 14 you're still a child like you don't really know anything and like a lot of people aren't allowed to quote-unquote start dating until they're older because you are such like a Mm -hmm. innocent little person developing Yeah. yeah and I feel like because I started dating Kyle so young and like of course like we're getting married and like we're all happy and whatever I just like kind of formed this like codependency and like I had friends and I knew like what things made me happy but Mm -hmm. I felt like I like he would say something and like since I was so young and innocent and vulnerable like he would say something and I would be like oh like I don't want to do that because you say you don't like it but at Mm -hmm. the same time I'm like well I don't mind it like what if I'm okay with it Yes. And it never became like a point where it was like he was like being abusive like Jeanette's mother was, of course not. Right. But it was like, well, I'd like to do things that make him happy because I want him to stay loving me. But at the same time, two things can be true at once. Yes. And you can do things that you want, even if that's not their favorite thing that you do. It still means that they love you as a person because you have these differences. Yeah, 100%. And I feel like a lot of us, I mean, I I relate to this too. I've definitely wanted other people to be happy so much that it comes at the expense of my own happiness. I think that speaks to the people pleaser in everyone. Mm -hmm. Like, even if you say, like, I'm not a people pleaser, um, maybe you are in some really, really minuscule way or to one certain person or one certain group. I think that can happen. And I definitely have experienced that. But also, I feel like sometimes you don't notice it when it's happening. Yeah. So I, for instance, this is like a, such a random story that most people probably don't even know about me, but I was dating someone in high school, like my senior year or junior or senior year of high school who didn't want to ever leave Ohio, didn't want to ever leave the town and didn't want me to do those things either. And so when we were dating and like thinking about what life could be like, they were really in a way trying to convince me like, oh, stay here, become this kind of job, like whatever so I remember going home and telling my mom like I changed my mind I think I want to become a teacher and I want to teach at the local schools and whatever and my mom has always been like 
just the most supportive mom ever like follow your dreams follow your heart you can do anything really supportive but also very realistic very logical (laughs) like will tell you straight up so blunt and this was the first time in my life ever that I can recall that she actually told me what to do and she said you cannot become a teacher it's not you you will not like it you are not patient. You do not like dealing with kids. Like I love that she just think, told you, like, Erica, you're not a patient person. Don't do like, this. Yeah, she was like, you wouldn't be able to handle it. And she gave me a scenario. I can't remember what it was, but she's like, imagine this happens at school. And I'm like, that is so fucking annoying. She's oh, like, yeah, absolutely. I know, because you can't, like, she's like, you don't like that environment, and you've never wanted to be a teacher. So you, why are you doing this? And at the like at the time that this was all happening, I had no idea that it was because he was convincing me. Like, I really just thought that's what I wanted, but it wasn't. And so I remember, too, when we actually broke up, he broke up with me and he was like, I'm not breaking up with you because I don't like you or I don't want to see where this goes, whatever. I'm breaking up with you because you need to go to Ohio State and you need to live in a city and you need to travel the world and you need to have the job you want because that is what you need and I'm holding you back well I'm like yeah whoa that is so nice though because like it was he could have manipulated you and like again that is a strong word but he could have manipulated you into saying like well I know that this is probably what's best for us you should stay here but he was like empowered enough and you were empowered enough to know like wow this is not gonna work out and like yeah I mean, that's really, like, big of him to be able to say because, like, when you're in a relationship, you don't ever want to be the reason that it ends, even if he was, like, I mean, obviously it wasn't you. Like, you had to grow as a human, and, like, it wasn't him because he didn't necessarily want to grow in the ways that you wanted to grow, and it's, like, so nice to have that support and stuff from a partner that is now an ex-partner that was able to say these things to you no it was completely unbelievable to me because also I think we were probably 17 ish yeah or something like that so it was like how I I don't even know how he got to that conclusion himself but I'm glad that he did because if he didn't say those things to me I probably would have just thought that that was the life I wanted and I wouldn't have followed my dreams and I wouldn't have become who I am and I wouldn't have a freaking podcast with you yeah like, I wouldn't well have gotten this far. well I was thinking I was like well if he was saying those things and like if you weren't like the person that you are now you probably wouldn't have right. been to my college and we would have met each other earlier <laughs> I'm just kidding I'm so glad with where you are and I'm so happy that you grew into the person you are but I was like let me just say something no, funny hilarious. you were like, no that's hilarious because you definitely would have went to the school that I went to that would have been so weird yeah I actually I mean I did go to do you care if I say where it is no you, okay I didn't know if you were private about it but I did go to Bowling Green um Firelands campus I don't know if you're familiar yeah with this in here on Ohio I did go there actually That's I was a so student. I have my BGSU ID still it was so weird no, in high school you literally would have went to Bowling Green for college if you were like I'm gonna be a the teacher <laughs> yeah true yeah so all that to say that like <laughs> even if you want someone else's happiness so much that it comes at the expense of your own you don't even always have to know you're doing it yeah well and also if you want somebody's help like happiness so much that you're getting rid of yours what happens if worse comes to worse and they break up with yeah. you or they leave or whatever like, where does that leave you? yeah because like you're just gonna become a shell of the person that you are and you're never gonna be able to grow into a more interesting person ever yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I completely agree. So the next question I really, really like, it says, despite the sometimes disturbing content of the book, it's also really funny in parts. So why do you think McCurdy chose to joke about some of her experiences? I feel like this is such 
another coping mechanism. Absolutely. If you can't laugh at the hard times, how are you going to survive? Make it. Yeah, I feel like that's also like... I don't know, but in my family personally, like my family, and then also in Angelo's family and being around you and all of those people, I feel like everyone can take a good joke. And I think that's so important to getting through life. Yeah. Like anything, the happy, the sad, the miserable, the disturbing, like all of it. Uh, I think humor is a really good and mostly safe coping mechanism that is pretty widely used. I think that I really relate to those parts of the book because anytime like I've had like hard things happen or I've been like really upset or in my feelings or I felt like I've like something terrible has happened, I always use humor as a coping mechanism. Like I will make the darkest jokes. Like it is so bad. And I mean, I work in a really sensitive field now and like I'll read medical reports and like to get through the day, like, I mean, we sit at work and we talk about like these sexual assault medical reports all day, every day. Like I'm literally reading the worst trauma of people's lives, but also sometimes like you'll get these medical reports that have like funny little nuances to them. Like, I mean, it's not funny ever, but like, for example, like you'll get just like, these things that you know couldn't have happened because the person is like mentally unwell or they have like schizophrenia or something like that and you read it and you're like that's kind of funny because like you just have to like i mean it's so disturbing it's Yeah. yeah it's so disturbing that you like read this and you're like wow that person is like they do have like these hallucinations and their schizophrenia is uncontrolled or whatever. And you read it and you're like, wow, that's like really disturbing. But at the same time, like if they're like iced tea is my pimp or whatever, like things like that, like you just have to like have a little giggle. It's so far unimaginable that it's like the only way that you can understand it or like air quote understand it is to laugh. Yeah. And like other things that we'll say like sometimes is like just like our little like intrusive thoughts. Like so we'll get like swabs as evidence and stuff like like vaginal swabs, anal swabs Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And we're like, my intrusive thought is to pick my ear with this. (laughs) Literally intrusive thoughts. Like, of course, Uh, we're never going to do it because like like, we're ethical. We're not going to ruin the evidence. But at the same time, it's like, what if I just. Everyone has them. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone has intrusive thoughts and saying them is one thing. Acting them is another. Yeah. In my opinion, like saying them out loud can sometimes make everyone around you feel a little more sane yeah okay absolutely the same thing (laughs) and then some things like our biggest one is like we use bleach and ethanol so like ethanol is like alcohol and Mm -hmm. we use those to clean our surfaces and our utensils and sometimes we'll look at people and be like is it a bleach day or an ethanol day like do you want to drink the bleach or do you want to drink the alcohol (laughs) like what's happening with your mental health today (laughs) literally yeah I I think it's totally okay and I also think like that's why she had a joke about it you have to but that's my thought yeah it's an easy way to cope and sometimes things are funny absolutely like you (laughs) like if something ever in your life has been like traumatic or crazy or whatever you look back on it after you've started to heal and you're like wow that was so silly (laughs) like you're like well like you in your instance and your example that you brought up earlier like you're thinking about like oh I really wanted to be a teacher for this one person and you look back and you're like that's hilarious that's yeah like what (laughs) why did I I want to do that why would I want that yeah literally yeah I agree so in your opinion is it okay to feel quote happy that someone has died I think like this is a really tough question to answer because you don't want to sound like 
insensitive and be like, yes, it's okay if you feel happy that someone's died. But, like, if you think in, like, the bigger scheme of things, like, just, like, dramatic example, like, are you happy that Hitler is dead? Probably, yeah, because right. he yeah, caused such mass, like, I don't know, mass... Destruction. Yeah, destruction. Yeah. And, like, yeah, of course, like, I'm happy that he is no longer, like, causing that, but am I happy that a human is no longer on this earth and, like... I don't know, but at the same time, like, you know that they're not going to harm anybody anymore, so it can make you feel relief. I feel like relief is a better word than happy. I like that. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I feel like it's such a tough question, and I also think, um, in my personal opinion, I do think it's okay to feel happy. I do think it's okay to feel relief, but I think there's a line that can be crossed where that person's not here anymore, and they can't speak for themselves anymore. Exactly. And so I think that there are things that maybe could be better left unsaid or like I have a hard time relating to if someone were to tell us stories and stories and stories about someone who's passed away they can't defend themselves they can't tell their side there's two sides to every story and somewhere in the middle there's a truth yeah I think it's always hard um in that sense Mm -hmm. but I do think it's okay generally to feel like happy or relieved especially if it's your abuser like I can't imagine the sense of relief you'd have to have to know like that person can never ever hurt you again ever again yeah ever like quite literally so I don't know I think it's a tough question but yeah I do think there's a line for me yeah and I feel like the way to make people feel like it's not as divisive or whatever would just to be like well can you feel relief like I even think like if you have a good relationship with the person but you have like you're their caretaker for example Mm -hmm. like when my mom and my grandma like my grandma was my mother's mom and she had to like she had to move in with us and she had to take like my mom had to take care of her until we ended up putting her in a nursing home and like of course my mom is not happy that my grandma died ever like they were best Mm -hmm. friends they were so close and like I was so close with my grandma and everything but at the end of the day, you know that you don't have to take care of them and you don't have to feel yeah. that burden of their pain any longer because you yeah. know that their pain is no longer there. Burden is the word that I was going to say too, right? And then you said it right at the same time <laughs> I was thinking it. I was like, sometimes thing, and it's not always a person, right? It's not like, oh, my my mom is such a burden to me. But maybe the act of serving them is a burden or the act of doing X, Y, Z is a burden to you. And I think it's okay to have those feelings and to also know like, not only is something not a burden to you anymore, but that person may also be at a happier place than they were once. Yeah, like, and like the pain that, that was too. burdening them is no longer yeah, happening because it, they've exactly. they've been able to release all their pain and release all of their troubles and their the weight that's been on their shoulders for so long. And like if they are unwell, they can just release all of that. Yeah, yeah, it's a tough topic in general, but mm-hmm. I have one question, and it's the last question. And I think that it's a good one. So what was your favorite part of the book or the part that most affected you or both? I think that my favorite part was like the funny part nearing the end when like Steven was his name, right? The guy that was like, okay. he thought he was God. Yeah. I thought that that was so funny. And I think that that was probably my favorite part. It didn't affect me the most because I just think it was like the comedic relief at the end as she was like coming to terms with all of her abuse and her trauma. And she was like looking outwardly more now instead of looking inwardly because she was healing. And she was like, what the heck is this guy doing? He thinks he's God. And then she was like, bro, you got to get help. (laughs) It was such a like weird the whole book I say the word weird I don't know if I'm even using the word correctly but I'm like it's just such a 
weird thing that <laughs> happened. It was just like, I read all of this and there's still more stuff. No, like, literally. Going on? Because she was like, she was like, whatever. She got this show in Canada. She was filming. She's yeah. like, oh my goodness, this producer is so hot. Like, I like, I think he's so hot. I want to like go on a date with him or whatever. And then they start dating and she's like, oh, this is so fun and whatever. And then he starts to show schizophrenic tendencies and starts to like get to that point and then eventually gets diagnosed. And then he completely goes like haywire. I don't know if that's the right word to use because you don't want to call somebody crazy, but like. Like, yeah. he goes, like, I mean, off the rails a little bit. Like, he starts having these delusions, and he starts thinking, like, wow, that, like, I don't know, Jeanette has to take a step back and be like, I thought my yeah. problems were bad. He thinks he's yeah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> like, Yeah, and it was actually, honestly, kind of eye-opening and cool to see her be able to identify that, though, mm -hmm. because you read the whole book, seeing her be manipulated through her whole life and not realizing some of the problems she had, so for her to, like, actually recognize that on her own terms and fully, like, be aware that something was off was actually pretty impressive yeah actually and like empowering to her as well because yeah, like like i said she was healing herself and like being able to recognize others yeah. problems or their traumas is like such a big step in healing as well because mm -hmm. if you if you can't recognize their problems then how can you know that you're fully like invested in your own healing yeah totally what was I, your favorite part? I want to know. <laughs> yeah. Okay. My favorite part in my part is kind of general, but my favorite part of the book, I think, was um, the friendship that she had with Miranda Cosgrove. Yeah. Just in general, because I think it it was like that little piece of faith and humanity restored that we all needed. And normalcy. Yeah. And normalcy, because everyone in the book had their own things, her parents, her grandparents, her brothers, her relationships, like every single relationship she had in this book, aside from Miranda that I can remember, felt heavy. It felt like there was something in every relationship, right? Like something different, some other obstacle. But with Miranda, it seemed easy. Like I actually pulled something from Super Summary that talks about when Miranda left a um, gift basket in her room and it had, this is what it said, her mother picks through the foods Jeanette can or cannot eat, and Jeanette discovers a gift basket from her co-star Miranda Cosgrove, filled with movie theater candy, and it also contains a $100 gift card to a movie theater. Jeanette is shocked to see a gift card worth that much. Jeanette's mother tells Jeanette that Miranda's character, Carly, isn't nearly as good as her character. Jeanette thinks about how she has never actually had another child star be kind to her. So I thought that was, first of all, monumental for her to say that like she can't remember a time someone else was kind to her on a set. That's sad, but yeah. also like... Her mom, after that, took her to the mall to get a gift for Miranda, like to get a thank you gift back to her. And it says, Jeanette and her mother seek a thank you gift for Miranda at the mall. Jeanette's mother suggests that a stuffed panda and a fuzzy journal. And Jeanette privately feels anxious about the gift, not meeting Miranda's standards because Miranda's gift was so generous, so expensive. And I remember in the book when Jeanette gave her the gift, gave... Um, Miranda the gift Miranda was so thankful and like just so sweet and it was just really cute to see like she didn't care how much it cost like it was nice that someone did a nice thing for her and it just I don't know I think it spoke to like true friendship yeah and like she she knew she probably knew deep down like Jeanette was not doing well like when somebody's yeah. suffering from eating disorders you can tell that like outwardly not always but sometimes and especially mm -hmm. in the severe circumstance that Jeanette was in I think that you probably could have 
you could have noticed from an outside perspective that either her mom was overbearing or that she was struggling right. internally with like all of these different like conflicts. Any of the one things. Yeah. yeah she and, could have identified one of something. And I think that because she came from such a different like home life and like having like that small house with like seven people living in it yeah. and like not having very much money and stuff. And like I think that Miranda probably saw from like the outsider's perspective, like, her mom doesn't know how to gift well because she's still so frugal in a sense that she, like, she's not willing to spend the money even though they're getting it now. Like, she's a series regular and everything. But she was like, I I know that she wanted to gift me something because she felt extreme love and, like, happiness that I gave her something. And so she wanted to show me back. And she was like, maybe this is just, like, the best way that her family knew how. And it's really, like, endearing, like, just to see, like... She was like, oh, yeah, like, this is what she could do, and I'm going to be happy about it, even if I'm just going to throw this in the back of my car and never look at it again. I'm just going to say thank you and move on. Yeah, I think that that overall theme was my favorite part, just Miranda and her being, like, true friends. Miranda was, like, always there for her, even when Jeanette was shitty in a way, like, struggling with addiction, drinking, like doing scary things doing complicated things that Miranda like may not have understood but she kind of stuck by her and I feel like in a way and I could be wrong but I'm just concluding this on my own like in a way it seems like the friendship that Jeanette had with Carly could have really saved her at oh, a time that she needed it absolutely like, it gave Jeanette some more hope than she was getting anywhere else and I think Miranda also just treated her normal right like just treated her like any normal person didn't really pity her didn't say anything about problems she'd talk to her if she asked but otherwise, she just treated her, like, with respect and, like, a normal human. And I think that's huge. Yeah, absolutely. Because if you didn't have that person to be, I can't remember the word, but, like, to be, I don't know, just, like, caring and, like, yeah. give you love when you need it the most. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it was really awesome. So that was definitely my favorite part. And I think maybe it didn't affect me the most, but it definitely stuck with me as one of the, the top things. Um because it, I don't know, it really just kind of shined through as a light, a light of happiness yeah. in all of the dark stuff. Yeah, I agree. I think that the part that really affected me the most was probably the part in the, I mean, it was kind of scattered throughout the book, but I would say it was really heavily talked about in the beginning was the relationship between Jeanette's mom and dad and how yeah. her mother was genuinely abusive to her father as well, like throwing pans, throwing yeah, things, yeah. kicking things in the kitchen and like screaming at her dad when he would just come home late from work and he was like he was like a manual worker like he did work like he I don't know like he would just come home late and he would be tired and she would be like why are you doing this why are you sitting on the couch and then like throw things at him and like tell him to get out of the house and make him sleep in the car for days on end and I'm like that is just like it's so impactful because you think like Even if you have, like, any sort of family trauma between, like, your parents, like, if they were, like, even if they just got divorced at a young Mm -hmm. age or you never knew another parent, you can, like, look into this and see, like, reflections in your own life. Even if you had a good family dynamic, you can see, like, wow, like, the way that this family dynamic works is so completely opposite of mine and it's so impactful to everybody reading. Or you can empathize with it if you were somebody that also had to deal with, like, turmoil in your family dynamics. Yeah. Yeah. I think overall, as we've said a hundred million times throughout this whole entire episode, this book was impactful is a great word. It was like really impactful and really eye-opening and it provided a great perspective in so many ways. And I just think it could be beneficial for anyone to read this 
in any situation like yeah personally i don't know what i i was actually gonna look it up but i forgot i don't know what you rated it on goodreads but i did rate it five out of five i feel like i might have i don't remember <laughs> yeah i feel like i don't i try not to give five out of fives to every book because then it loses its value but i'm actually pretty bad about just giving <laughs> everything five i'm like oh so good but this one truly like if people ask me like what are you what are your must reads like tell me something i have to read this would be up there for me because i think not only is it different i don't personally read a lot of memoirs especially celebrity memoirs but i think this one was so not that like it was so and it wasn't and... written from like Jeanette's perspective now it was written yeah. like in a past perspective well, and I feel it. like that's that's not how a lot of memoirs are written I feel like it's always yeah. like yeah. first person Reflective. talking about what happened in the past but she mm-hmm. she wrote as like she wrote as a kid she wrote as a teenager she wrote as an yeah. adult and she wrote as the emotions felt during those times yeah yeah it was just I think incredible I really recommend reading it. If you don't read it, hopefully we provided you with good insight and you like got what you needed from it because it's still, I don't know, such a great, such a great find. And also not to mention like this book broke records, dude. Like no one could get their hands on a copy of this book for so long. Personally, I did not get my copy for the longest time because it was sold out everywhere because I didn't pre-order, which apparently I should have done. (laughs) was unprepared, but yeah, I loved it. I would recommend it. Um, Anything else you want to say about the book? I don't think so. I think like, I'll just say it one more time. Like if you do have, if you relate to any of the traumas that we talked about in this and you've been trying to think about reading the book and you still listen to this episode, even if it was like triggering to you, I think like if you can find like that, I don't know that strength. Yeah. That strength to just Mm -hmm. read somebody else's perspective and like how she healed. I think that it's so eye opening and it's so like, I don't know, it's just so powerful because if you yeah. have gone through these things, like, yes, she talks about the ins and outs of those traumas, but also she talks about how she overcame it. And even if you just read the last third of the book, I think that it would be so helpful to True. understand the growth aspect of everything and like how you can heal after. Yeah, I agree with your sentiment. I totally just totally agree and I think at this point whether you decide to read it or not um I don't think it's ruined either way like I if you were to read it you would still gain so much we did not touch on every topic we didn't even get close but also if you decide not to read it I think we did talk about a lot of the most impactful parts so either way I think it's a good call but thank you guys for listening to this because I loved doing this I do too I'm so excited we have another one in the works it's coming like mid-May we're not gonna tell you the book book number two I feel like we shouldn't tell them the book I think it should always be a surprise I'm fine with that yeah we'll have book club number two coming in May that's next month yeah Oh my gosh, you guys. So maybe we'll have a monthly or a bi-monthly. It's a lot of reading. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but yeah, we're really excited about the next book. Um, for the record, like we read this one a while ago. I'm glad yes. my mom died, but we're going to read the other one a little bit closer to the Yeah, episode, neither so of us have started you. it yet, so it's yeah, going to be fresh. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I passed Marissa my copy of this book, so we kind of had like a little bit of a delay. Yes. There, if that makes sense. <laughs> so this next one we're going to read at the same time. It's going to be so fun. And yeah, so thank you guys for listening to this episode. If you want to connect with us on Goodreads, if yeah, you want to see, like our ratings on books, or like read with us, or join our book club. We'll put the links you know in our what? bio. 
after you know you guys hear this let us know if you like it and definitely comment because in the future if you ever want to join in on our book clubs we definitely could share the book and then people could read it too absolutely and come to the book club together so yeah we'll definitely do more of this in the future but again thank you for listening to this episode and to all of our episodes because of you we were able to do an ad and Yay, it's just really exciting it is like in full transparency we've only made a few cents but it's <laughs> the coolest few cents i've ever made in my life absolutely like, i cannot stress that enough i'm so pumped about it but with that we're going to end this episode because we have been talking for an hour about this book which I'm not mad about but <laughs> you guys probably have to go do your normal life thing so thanks for spending your Wednesday with us um, follow us on Instagram at we run on coffee we have new posts every week when we have an episode and some bonus posts mm-hmm. here and there um, follow us on Spotify or wherever you find your podcasts Spotify Stitcher iHeartRadio Public Radio CastBox Apple Podcasts Google Podcasts anywhere that you listen and rate us and give us five stars we would absolutely love if you did that absolutely Please. and send us an We're email <laughs> send us an email if you want yeah, hit us up our email is <laughs> we run on coffee podcast at gmail.com if you'd like to connect and I think that's the whole spiel so I think that's that, it I'm Erica I'm Marissa and, and we, we run, run on, on coffee, coffee. See you guys.